Thank you. In your face, all over the place. We're online 24 7, 24 7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. The time now is 16 minutes past four o'clock. You were enjoying Aretha Franklin, It Hits Like Hell, and before that, it was Anthony Hamilton, I Know What Love Is. So right now, it is time for us to go into the topic of the day, and I did promise you a, a guest who is joining us online, and his name is Omi Naidu, a dietitian, who will be talking to us about the role of nutrition in the prevention of breast cancer. So the Cancer Association of South Africa reports that apart from non-melanoma skin cancer, breast cancer is the most common cancer in women of all races with a lifetime risk of one in 25 in South Africa, according to the 2016 National Cancer Registry. Early detection of the condition can lead to effective treatment and a positive prognosis. So about 90% of patients survive for many years after diagnosis when breast cancer is detected at the early stages. So regular self-breast examination and regular mammograms are key to early detection. So in the past uh, few months, in the past few weeks rather, we've been uh, talking about all other forms of uh, breast cancer prevention and screening options for early detection. However, Omi, we haven't been uh, talking, we haven't spoken about um, how, what is the role of diet when it comes to the prevention of, of, of cancer. We've spoken about all other things like self-examinations and mammograms, but we haven't really spoken about diet. And even though it is a major part of, of our daily living, but we haven't touched on it on what role can it play to prevent us from developing cancer. So first of all, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thanks, Okona, and thanks for having me on. I'd like to thank you also for gracing us with your presence. So to kick off our interview, I want you to explain to us if there's a correlation between diet and the development of breast cancer. Okay, so Akona, in, in simplistic terms, they, you have what's called preventable causes of cancer. And the first preventable cause is smoking. And this is from global worldwide studies. Okay. And the second one is obesity, meaning that if we can control obesity or prevent obesity, we can reduce the risk for cancer. So that's where it, you know, a lot of things in our lives are determined by other medical practitioners dictating what surgery you'll do, what medical treatment you'll have. But diet is something that the patient has direct control of. So this is where we, to your listeners, you know, just to know that this is something that they can control their disease outcome. Okay, that's very um, informative to know. But often when we think about diet, we think about very complex plans that one needs to put together and that are not easily accessible. So when we talk about diet plans for prevention of cancer, are we talking about uh, foods that are easily accessible to your average South African or is it things that now we need to go out of our way to put together? 
So the purpose of always working with the dietitian. So any interview I do, I corner a part of what I do is advocacy for the profession, meaning that to your listeners know that there's a wealth of dietitians in the government sector, meaning no charge to themselves. No. Oh, there's a wealth of dietitians in the private sector. <laughs> so, no, sorry, I'm saying I don't think so because a dietitian, you think, oh, this is some very fancy specialist that you need a medical aid for. So it's not something that I can easily access at the public health sector. Yes, no, but just to know that all government hospitals have more than one dietitian often. So it's just a matter of accessing the service and informing. Sometimes the medical officers in the government facilities are so overwhelmed that diet might not be a high list on their referral sort of mm. criteria for the patient. And often what we find is if the patient asks, you know, can I see a dietitian? That helps the referral process. But just to know that when you work with a dietitian, our aim is to look at what's your budget, what's your lifestyle, what's your preferences, because either you or I, if somebody asks us to start a whole new diet, we'll probably last all of 10 days before we go back to what we used to and what we like. So that is why it's very important to sit down with somebody who can actually plan stuff for you that's quite accessible. So when I sit with a patient who tells me, Omi, I don't have the biggest budget in the world. I often don't like to cook a lot of big meals. I'd look at them, if I'm looking at cancer, I'd always want to increase protein. So as opposed to thinking of organic meat and all these fancy things, I would say, is there some way that we can increase things like beans, fish, peas, lentils? All of those are slightly cheaper sources of protein, but can meet the dietary goals for this patient. So to long and short of it, diet, as much as it's got a bad rep for being very expensive and not accessible, Working with the dietitian or working with people who have an interest in helping you can definitely get you to something that works for you and your budget. Okay, so you spoke about uh, a high protein diet, looking into beans and, and lentils, and those were the vegetables that you were listing for, for, for us to consume more of. So what are some of the things that we should actually be avoiding in our diet in order to prevent breast cancer? Okay, so if you're looking at it, we're saying that obesity increases your risk of developing breast cancer. So okay. if, we, if we just explain it a little bit for your listeners, up to 70% of the breast cancers that we see are what we call ER positive, which means estrogen receptor positive. That tells us that certain foods that we eat can increase our estrogen levels. And when you have high estrogen levels in the body, this causes the cancer cell to multiply and obviously spread. So simplistically, if you're looking at it, avoiding any food that's going to cause you to gain weight. So things like saturated fats, a lot of fat on the red meat, your chicken skin, high fat dairy products, things like ice cream, chocolates, desserts, all the great stuff that we like, but just having it in smaller portions. The next thing is also cutting down on red meat. Red meat has a direct link to increase your estrogen levels. And then this can obviously increase the carcinogenic process or cancer development. What the research tells us is that we shouldn't have more than 500 grams of red meat in a week. And mm -hmm. more specifically, processed red meat is directly linked to cancer. So when I say processed, Akona, I'm talking about things like bacon, sausage, cold meats. Having large portions of this definitely increases the risk for cancer. But specifically what the trials show us is that 
having red meat cooked at a high temperature. So if you think of it, our South African population, we love our poiki kos and braise. So yeah, of course. We, yeah, so, so if we're going to be having big portions of red meat, you think of your burravost, your sausage, that's processed, number one, high, high cancer risk. We're having it at a high temperature, high cancer risk, and we're having often more than 500 grams in a week. That's, that's three factors that's pushing women's estrogen levels up, that's feeding into this breast cancer development. And then also the next thing is alcohol. Alcohol is well documented to increase the risk of breast cancer, also because it increases your estrogen levels. And then the third one would be avoidance of white starches, so white food. So things like bread, rice, pasta, if you're going to have white, that means they've taken out all the fiber, and then that causes, bless you, that, that causes an inflammatory effect in the body. I hope it's not corona. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's not. But in essence, Akona, you know, if we're going to have something that's very white, which is a lot of our patients, we see white bread, white pasta, white rice. And in that, when the body consumes that, the body releases inflammatory hormones and that leaves the body in an inflammatory state. So if we think of cancer, cancer is due to oxidative damage, meaning that if we can help the body to, re to reduce inflammation, we can help to prevent cancer. Thank you for all that information. I want you to now look into our current uh, lifestyle. So the average person who's working, who's trying to balance a family, work, exercise, some me time. So we tend to lean towards um, processed foods, which you touched on a bit, as well as your fast foods, your takeaways. So with, in consideration of that lifestyle, how can we still manage to control our diet and uh, trying to eat healthier so that we do not end up with breast cancer at the end of the day? Akona, I always believe in like an 80-20 kind of principle uh, where you don't need to be eating extremely healthy 100% of the time. Okay. If you can at least work towards meeting 80% of the time that you're eating healthy, if you have that one meal in the day every three or four days, that's not the best but you try and then counteract it. Uh, something I discuss often on interviews is if my wife and I find ourselves in the evening uh, eating out quite extensively and then having a dessert as well, the next morning we try to push ourselves to do a run or walk. So it's almost trying to find that balance where if you're going to indulge in something, try and get the self-awareness to say, okay, maybe I need to also find ways to burn these calories off. Maybe mm. if today I've been not so great, tomorrow I'm going to make sure that I'm going to cook a home-cooked meal. I'm going to increase the fresh vegetables in that meal. I might skip red meat for that day. Just looking at how do you, you know, it doesn't need to be this absolute kind of I'm eating healthy or I'm eating unhealthy. It's this mm. fluid kind of mm, today is better. Yesterday wasn't so good. But just trying to look at it per meal and per day. How do you implement better eating? So if you're eating out, I would say definitely trying to have fish where possible. Okay. Trying to incorporate a lot more salad and veggies. So often when we eat out, we have to have fried chips with that. Or bake yeah, chips or we always go for steak and then have it as a side, fried chips all the time. So Absolutely. So swapping that for maybe the vegetables or salad, but we've got to be wary. Like often, you know, you've got, if you're going to like a takeout or a restaurant where they're swapping vegetables or the chips, it's always a creamy spinach and uh, it's a butternut that's full of margarine. 
And in that way, we're increasing our saturated fat intake. Mm. Remember we're saying the more fat we take in, the more our body is going into this obese state that's being like a low-grade inflammation. Low-grade inflammation causes cancer, diabetes, heart disease. And if the problem with obesity often, Akona, is if tomorrow you had an accident and you broke an arm, everybody would know it, you would know it because you'd see the injury. Bless you. You would see it because... Are you okay there? I think it's time to say bless you. Okay, my throat is very sore. But anyway, I want you to break down for me the fats part. So just as a closing to, to our conversation, the last thing I want you to focus on is how do we differentiate between the good fats and the bad fats? Because you keep referring to uh, saturated, monosaturated. So just to explain it in very simple terms, how do yes. we differentiate and make sure that we're taking the right uh, type of fats? Okay, so in general, we want to avoid saturated. So that's anything that's very thick at a room temperature. So if you think of your, your butter, your lard, that sort of thing, it's very hard at room temperature, which means that when you absorb it into your bloodstream, it, those are the ones that are more likely to what we call cause blockages in your blood vessels. Okay. So you absorb that, your saturated fats causes plaques, which we call the process is called atherosclerosis. So that's your saturated fats. If you're looking at your healthier fats, definitely things like olive oil would be better than our normal canola and sunflower. And that's because olive oil has anti-inflammatory properties. Other healthier fats would be things like nuts and seeds. So what you want to do is most nuts are healthier than eating a donut, a chocolate, a sweet or cake. But they are definitely a continuum of which nuts are healthier versus the, the ones that are unhealthier. So things like your peanuts, and are not the best of nuts, but it's better than having a high sugar item. But things like almonds, macadamias, those sort of nuts would definitely be more healthier for you. But overall, you want to try and make sure that you can incorporate a variety of different foods in your diet, but avoiding too much of saturated fats. That's just the main one. So oily foods, uh, deep fried foods, those sort of things. I want to thank you. <clears throat> so much for this time uh the information that you're sharing with us uh, i've learned a lot and i'm definitely sure that the listeners have also learned a lot from the conversation all i can say what i learned from you is that a diet plan doesn't have to be something very complicated it has to be something that we can easily maintain and it is something that is that is easily accessible um we don't have to do, it's actually based on our, on our budget as individuals. So it doesn't have to be something that needs to be very expensive for, for, for me or in any average uh, South African to have access to. So thank you so much for that uh, information. Thanks, Akona. And just one, one last thing for your, for your listeners. To remember that no two persons needs to have exactly the same diet. And what might work for Akona may not necessarily work for Omi. So I urge them, you know, explore this, this relationship they have with food and see what mm. works for them specifically. So, and on closing, before you leave me, if uh, anyone wants one-on-one -on -one consultation, where can we find you? Okay, so we've got a lovely website. That's www.dietitians. So I'll spell that for you. D-I-E-T-I-C-I-A-N-S, S for sugar, dash S-A, as in South Africa. .co.za, that's www.dietitians-sa.co.za, 
There's a wealth of free literature, recipes, and you know, just reach out with tons of information about not just what dietitians do and how we can help you, but also some actual ways to get in touch with us. Thank you so much, Omi. It was lovely speaking to you. And I will reiterate the website to all the listeners out there so that we can be able to be in touch with you should we need better advice from you. Right now, the time is exactly 28 minutes before the hour of five o'clock. I'm going straight into music and afterwards we'll have more conversations. Thanks, Omi. Thanks, Akona. Okay, cheers. Hopefully we answered all the questions. Yes, you did.